Welcome back to Theory for Turntables, the TFT podcast. I'm Ryan, and that's not Matt, it's Mark. Mark, when I was a little boy like you, I wanted to do the things big boys do. Oh, Ryan, when I was, I was bright in school, but my future looked dim, because the big boys wouldn't let me party with them. Yes, yes, I didn't cry, because this is Chuck, the Chuck episode. Uh, if you guys are longtime listeners, you know that Mark is the TFT guitar correspondent, and so we are discussing the final studio album um, by guitar pioneer, rock and roll pioneer, uh, popular music legend, cultural icon Chuck Berry. Um, and this is an album that is released, uh, was released this past week, uh, about three months after his past in, in March of this year, um, and uh, about half a year or so after his 90th birthday. So I think that this is setting uh, a few records uh, for, for TFT. I think one is the, I believe, even though we you know did our mortality trilogy last year of, um, of David Bowie, Leonard Cohen, and uh, Tribe Called Quest's uh, Fife Dog, I believe this is the oldest acting musician, <laughs> the uh, oldest recording artist that we've had. I'd have to check how old Cohen was at the time of, um, of, of recording. But, uh, and it's also the longest gap between <laughs> uh, records, right? The, it's the longest yeah. follow-up. I believe Chuck Berry's last follow-up album was in the late 70s, what, 78 or 79? Um, that so, sounds right. And he basically just spent uh, decades on the road and uh, finally at the end of his life and career, it's like, I want to record a studio album. And so he did because he's yeah. Chuck fucking Barry. Well, and I think there's this, uh, uh, there are other stories and there's been a lot of press around this uh, around this album, I, I think justifiably so. Um, and apparently he had started working on many of these songs much, much earlier. And I believe his recording studio burned down sometime in the 80s and he lost lots of tapes um, and a lot of um, a lot of material and yet kept plugging away at it um yeah. and so rock and roll doesn't back up into the cloud at least it didn't in the 80s <laughs> no i guess not um and yet uh and and yet chuck berry kind of is the cloud because uh there <laughs> right because he, that he is the cloud of rock and roll uh because the, the um it, it's like wherever you go you can download his riffs and uh and and you know, Mark, I, I hear that uh, you may have some um, some some audio aids with us to, to help us really unpack what is uh, what is going on in Chuck Berry's music. Is that correct? I could say some words, but I'll just let the guitar do the talking. That's right. I brought my guitar with me. Truly, the guitar is worth a thousand words, uh, which means that this is going to be a like probably you know ten million word podcast because <laughs> we have our usual uh, several thousand words and then uh, uh, uncountable riffs. Um, so if you haven't yet, check out Chuck. Uh, it's on all the streaming services, and um, you know do yourself a favor. And if you're not actually familiar with the Chuck Berry catalog, go back and and. Check check it out. And there's there's a lot on any of the streaming services. Um, one that I like uh, is a uh, re-release, I think, by Geffen and Chess Records called uh, The Definitive Collection. Um, it's a among the more manageable <laughs> introductions to the catalog. Um, it, it's, it's kind of in the Goldilocks space of it's not too too much because uh, there's some that are that go like decade by decade or kind of half decade stretch by half de- decade stretch and are a little bit more for the casual Chuck Berry fan um, but that there's I think other kind of um, 
greatest hits skim the surface. But I mean, again, if I think you'll want to be um, acquainted with certainly Johnny B. Good, uh, Maybelline, Rollover Beethoven, uh, Mark, any other kind of classic Barry uh, reference texts, texts that listen to Yeah, uh, rock out. and roll music, um, mm. parentheses, if you want to dance with me. Uh, and also the classic novelty song, My Dingaling, which is about um, bells, of course. Uh-huh. Yes, uh, as as <laughs> as are all no- novelty songs. Um and so do your Chuck Berry homework. Uh get get caught up or uh take a refresher course uh and meet us back here to dive in to the words and the guitar licks after this word from our commercial sponsors. Are you looking to forestall the effects of aging? Always every day. Death is in the rearview mirror all the time. And I, I bet you're trying to, you know, eat a little healthier, right? Oh, oh, I, I, I try, I try, and yet the Taco Bell is always uh, uh, above the horizon. Well, wh- don't, don't veer away. Head on to Taco Bell for our new Centrum Gold Enchiladas. Centrum Gold Enchiladas, me gusta. Tell me more. <laughs> well, uh, it's the same principle as our our loaded Doritos Blast tacos, um, but instead of um, cheesy nacho uh, corn chip goodness, it's crushed up multivitamins, uh, and then an enchilada is rolled around in it. Mmm, sounds good. Does it have omega-3 fatty acids as well? Oh, inside and out. As omega-4 fatty acids, as all of the omega fatty acids, um, uh, 4 through 1,000, and those don't even exist yet. Delicious. Yep. Taco Bell, we are the fountain of youth. And we're back. Hey, Mark, I have 90 a, years old, 90 years old, 90 years Presumed old. By, he survived to 90 by eating Taco Bell enchiladas, right? Yeah. And uh, and and I imagine cheeseburgers at uh, I mean, he's from St. Louis. So there's a few uh, St. Louis staples, probably um, uh, fried ravi- ravioli, uh, which is a St. Louis, St. Louis delicacy or uh, staple. Um, and uh, and then uh, cheeseburgers at the uh, St. Louis bar, Blueberry Hill, where he for uh, until I think very recently had a monthly residence. So he would play live once a uh, once a month uh, at this club right in in um, right right near Washington University's campus in the uh, Del Mar Loop of St. Louis. So I imagine that he had quite a few of those. Um, well-known cheeseburgers uh they're, they're, ve- they're vegan cheeseburgers right <laughs> yes yes they're they're, they're <laughs> vegan and kosher cheeseburgers <laughs> um no i mean, little, that small little known fact chuck berry jewish yeah yeah no, little no, known not, fact. not sure little, at all not little sure. known fact chuck berry uh straight edge right um <laughs> no no, no, and, and, no and and you know he so he, he, we we're talking about this uh song you know, the enchiladas three four time that he that he covers and uh but it it is a really appropriate song cuz it's a, it's a song about um you know living growing old despite living hard right and yeah. uh and, and and the way he sings it and there uh, another canonical version is uh was performed by Ray Charles um and but this this version he performs with such gusto and kind of just really you know as a, as a rebuttal to anyone who has ever c- uh, concerned trolled Chuck Berry about his eating uh eating habits <laughs> or health and it's just like and it, there's and there's 
there's such panache and such defiance uh, on this, um, and it's it's and I, I think that that is that spirit is there. Um, and I, so I guess apropos this defiant spirit of Chuck Berry, um, Mark, I have a question for you, as is our as our tradition. Hit me. Um, this Chuck Berry with his rebelliousness about uh, against good eating and his uh, rec- insistence on re- recording an album um, long after anyone w- would require a Chuck Berry album uh, and his and his his back to the basics approach is he a punk band? I'll answer with a qualified yes, as oh, we are. Often. That is I, that w- I was leaning in that direction as well. Yeah, I mean, what in the history of this podcast, hundreds of episodes, there have been very few uh, answers that are not an unqualified yes uh, or qualified yes. Excuse me. Um, let's see here, is he punk? That's the easier thing to say. Chuck Berry is is punk in the broad definitions of the word punk that we use, right? Um, the defiance, um, the raw simplicity, lack of any pretense whatsoever, and uh, and the key to this, of course, repetition, repetition of the same thing over and over again. Johnny, be good. Johnny, be good. Johnny, be good. Go, 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 go. Oi, 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 oi. Go, 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 go. Um, so, yeah, is he punk? Pretty much, yes. Almost unqualified, yes. Um, is he a band, though? That's a really interesting thing to consider, right? Um, because that, you know, his identity is so tied up in himself. Uh, Chuck Berry, the singer, the songwriter, the guitarist. Um, also, I'm, I'm, I'm led to understand that uh, in the last decades or so in touring, he didn't tour the regular band. He would roll into town and he would uh, just get a backup band, uh, assemble a backup band from local musicians. You just knew all of Chuck Berry's songs because if you're a rock musician, it's a pretty safe assumption that you know all of Chuck Berry's songs. So in that regard, he is not, he's punk, but he is not a band. What say you, Ryan Shealy? Well, I mean, he's kind of BYOB, right? He's bring your own band, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, which it, just means that you're not a band if you have to bring it. I mean, well, I guess it's, but he, but he is, he is his own band. And I, I think that the other piece of that, right, is that um, the best way to have a band of Chuck Berry's is to have a band of Chuck Berry's, right? And so that playing uh, yeah, on this true, yeah. album, right, are not just, this is, uh, you know, if there was one Chuck Berry, Dianu, right? Um, but yeah. there, if there were two Chuck Berries, a Chuck Berry Senior and a Chuck Berry Junior, Dianu. Um, but there are three Chuck Berries on this album. Uh, Chuck Berry's the first, the second, and the third. Uh, and they, um, and and so Chuck Berry's son uh, and grandson appear on the album. Um, recently uh, played live on uh, Jimmy Fallon uh, with Nathaniel Rateliff. Um and it's it's cool, man. It's it's a uh, it's a Chuck Dynasty is. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, well, and I think I think so. I think this is the interesting thing about like the bandness of you know there there have been other times where we've asked if a, a solo artist is a band. I, I and one that I remember um, quite vividly was when I asked Matt uh, whether Chuck uh, or whether I'm sorry Marvin Gaye was an indie band uh, at the time of what's going on. And and the answer there was was yes because th- mm, that th- go go on. So so the, the, there is a case in which he he um that that as much as there was a singular vision there, there was also a building of an ensemble at, at, at let's get it on uh, era. Um, and that there was a, a, um, and, and, but beyond that, I think that, right. So that there is, I think that the ability 
to roll into a town and have people be able to pick up instruments and play in your band is almost the most punk, right? That if there is something, and getting back to the kind of first part of your equation, of this ability to, um, you know, pick up your instruments, know a few chords, and go. Um, and obviously, the, the guys that he were, was rolling into town with were not that. But there's something about being able to play and capture the immediacy of, of especially live performance with a minimum of rehearsal as an ensemble um, that is that is punk, right? There's 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 something uh, um, uh, unmediated there, and and I and I think though the fact that it can happen, like it's like because like that that. Um, Weirdly, there are lots of punk unbands out there. Like I'd say, there are more punk unbands than there are punk bands, and that there oh, are. For example, for example. Well, well, I, well we, we've never heard of them because they are they're, they are a bunch of punks with guitar. They're a bunch of people with moha- mohawks and guitars. Ah, um, uh, okay, there you go. Right, you know. and, for, and for that definition of band, I'll grant that. Yeah. Right, and and I mean, I was in one in uh, in uh, I don't know if I've talked about it on this podcast, but my and I'm almost embarrassed, and I am embarrassed to admit this. Of of the the quote unquote band that I I played in in middle school uh, was called uh, I believe the name we settled on or the working name was Shaft colon the Anal Assault um, <laughs> and we had one song oh, we had one song dear. and it was called Corn Dog uh, and I believe it went Corn Dog like like this allow me allow me to try to recreate that yeah. Corn dog like that? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, but like not nearly that good. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, we were a bunch of of thirteen year olds uh, uh, banging around in a basement. But so, so the point is, is that even the punk bands, even the Sex Pistols, even the Ramones, um, you know, uh, I mean, I think especially Sex Pistols, like there's a fair amount of togetherness that you have to have to be a kind of um, a sloppy punk band. And there's something has to cohere, whether it's an understanding of three chords, understanding of a basic uh, song structure. And, you know, a lot of the earliest punk had these song structures, chords of um, kind of very early rock and roll. And so that there is, I guess what I'm advancing is that kind of, uh, I mean, the Chuck Berry, even even while alive, is kind of the rock and roll holy ghost, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, and, okay, you know, all right. So let, let, me, let, me, let me put pause with this here. Chuck Berry is unique in that um, wherever he goes, rock and roll musicians are his band. Yeah, right. But exactly. only Chuck Berry can do that yep. because only Chuck Berry is Chuck Berry. Um, so in that sense, yes, Chuck Berry's band is whoever uh, you know, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, the, the yeah. Chuck Berry's band yeah. is. Um, yeah. So I'll grant that you know, like there's the bandness of Chuck Berry. Um, but just to circle back to your comment about Marvin Gaye's, what's going on? Is he a, is he an indie band? And in that um, I, I could have let that pass without comments because yeah, Ryan, yeah. you and I were in a Motown cover band, and our, one of our great inspirations for that was the documentary "Standing in the Shadows of Motown," mm-hmm. which featured heavily the Motown. Um, let's all use the word house band because that's what the house musicians, yeah. uh, uh, of which they many of which rotate and are on the different uh, musician slots. And you know they weren't Marvin Gaye's band. You know that that was not the the unit as it was conceived of. Marvin Gaye brought in and his songwriters came in and plugged into the studio band. And granted, they all you know made significant artistic contributions to it, but it, it falls short of uh, I guess what we consider to be the the stricter canonical or platonic ideal 
of a band uh, like we've often talk about on this podcast. I mean, let's let's throw out the Beatles because, uh, again, wherever two or three are gathering in his name, the Beatles are there. Um, uh, I know that we are not. Uh, tied Sounds like we're going to have to we have to go and relitigate uh, this three year old TFT <laughs> episode. We're going to open. It's a we're going to have to open the the TFT cold case file and uh, and uh, and and actually actually flip the switch back right from what was a qualified yes to an unqualified no, um, and <laughs> and everything comes uh, crashing down. But I, I want to return though. Um, I, I, I actually forget exactly how you formulated it, but. You you said I think there I, I think you said uh earlier um just a few moments ago there only is one Chuck Berry. So what is Chuck Berry? <laughs> um and, and I know that's a weird question, but it's something that I've actually been trying to uh it like in, in contemplating Chuck Berry, uh in my experience in listening to this album, right, uh, is certainly I mean, uh, Chuck Berry. I guess my attempt at answering this is it's, Chuck Berry's a little bit like uh, pornography in that I know it when I see it, um, and <laughs> and and right. So the album starts, and you from the very first riff, I'm like, this is Chuck Berry, um, but. So on the one hand, there's an immediate and visceral knowledge of what Chuck Berry is. But then in trying to understand um, better the, what Chuck Berry is, it kind of – it leads a lot of self-reflection. I mean so for you, what is, what is Chuck Berry and, and what, what is the essence of, uh, of this guy? Well, the gut re- answer to this is he's the original guitar hero. Hmm. Um, from uh, you know, and following in his footsteps were, of course, Jimi Hendrix and you know Eric Clapton, Van Halen, so on and so forth. Um, you know, guitar gods. You know, those who took the instrument and um, kind of fused it with their own persona and achieved uh, remarkable heights with it. Um, going beyond that, though, to kind of speak to Chuck Berry's place in 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 music history and rock and roll history. You know, I'm, granted, I'm far from an expert from it, but. Like the specific lineage of it, but again, I grew up playing his music because well, I, I learned how to play the rock guitar. You can't do this without learning Chuck Berry's music. Um, what given, I'm given to understand that uh, Chuck Berry is a pioneer in, in a few regards. Um, uh, going back to the sort of the guitar, the original guitar hero idea is that uh, he was the singer, he was the songwriter, he was the lead guitarist. And he was uh, charismatic in all of those regards. And I, it's, it's probably fair to say that, at least in the rock and roll style, he was the first to combine mm. all those elements, the swagger, um, the sex appeal, the energy, the duck walk, all those kinds of things. Um, you know, a contemporaneous around him would have been someone like, you know, Elvis, right? These are sort of original uh, originators of what we consider to be rock and roll. Elvis had um, the, the charisma. He had the stage presence. Uh, he did not play the lead guitar, um, and he didn't write all of the songs in the same way that Chuck was sort of Chuck Berry was that auteur. So um, Chuck Berry, you know, brought all those original things onto the scene. Um, his fusion of country R and B, you know, into something new uh, exposed that uh, was you know uh, was part of uh, many artists, including Elvis, who exposed. Than what was considered to be race music or black music to a multiracial and a significantly white audience to bring all those things into the forefront. And then again, you know, to, to cap it off, from Chuck Berry, you get the Stones, the Beatles, uh, Hendrix, Zeppelin, uh, just all of uh, guitar-driven rock from there. So, uh, there, you know, like as I mentioned before, like the world, the rock and roll world is Chuck Berry's band. 
it all it all flows from Chuck. So I mean, it. kind of to hone in on some of what you were talking about in the guitar innovation uh, space, and, and especially the fusing of a few different genres. Um, are there uh, and 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 maybe drawing on your um, your your teaching tool that you have with you, uh, your your six stringed teaching tool? Um, uh, are there any kind of specific kind of examples of? How this works and uh, and 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 what this the specific kinds of guitar heroics sure. are. All right, I'm going to start with uh, Maybelline uh, or something Maybelline esque. Uh, one of his earlier hits, I think, probably before uh, before Johnny B. Good came out, which is going to be a more sort of a countryfied kind of thing. All right, which could easily come from a Johnny Cash song, Maybelline. What don't you be true? One right, so yeah, you had that yeah. element of his of his of his musicality, um, and then I'm going to switch gears a little bit into uh, sort of uh, again on the rhythm, sort of the underlying piece of things, uh, the the rock and roll, the driving piece, which we're pretty familiar with. It's the right way down in Louisiana to the New Orleans, way back up in the woods among the evergreens. Um, that driving thing, he was by far not the originator of it, right? But uh, the I'm given to understand that the way that he emphasized the um, that on two, three, four, and infused with the backbeat, uh, yeah. which is so uh, it's such a definer of, of rock and roll. Um, he and you, and you see, and you see really that through. Set. You see that through yeah. through to the Beatles and through even to to punk, right? I mean that that kind of is this recurring yeah. place that the rock keeps returning to again and again, right? Right. And so I bring a punk example into it. Let's do the Ramones, um, uh, Blitz Creek Bop, right? One, two, three, four, bum, bum, right. There's yeah. a backbeat there. Um, and just uh, something else I want to throw in. There's a bit of a tangent. That's less guitar, but more on the on the, on the drum side. And but Ryan, you'd appreciate this. On Johnny Be Good in particular, if you listen carefully, it's not such a simple, straightforward. One and two and three and four and one and two and three and four. This sort of straight eighth kind of thing. The drums are really t- teetering the line between a straight eighth and a swung mm. triplet feel. Which is why, if you listen to other covers of, of Johnny B. Good, you realize something doesn't feel right. Something's missing. And that's what's missing is that weird interplay between the straight ace and the, and the swung um, huh. uh, and, the, and, the, and the swung huh. ace um, in, in that song. Um, so that's a little bit of the rhythm thing going on. Now, the, I want to switch gears uh, to the lead guitar piece of Chuck Berry, which makes him uh, one of his most memorable uh, assets. Um, and of course, you know, I got to do the, the Johnny B. Good intro here. So a lot of things are going on in there. Um, uh, let's start with the sort of the technological uh, innovation of the electric guitar itself. Um, because prior to the electric guitar, you just, these sounds just didn't exist, right? With a sort of a, an acoustic guitar that just produced sounds solely by uh, plucking a string and having it resonate in an air cavity, a wooden air cavity, and the sound coming out from there. And early, you know, if you put a microphone in front of a guitar like that, you just capture the natural sound of it coming out. This, the, the electric guitar, the modern electric guitar, um, has a completely different uh, a way of producing sound in which a magnetic pickup uh, grabs the sound from the string um, uh, from the string that's vibrating, sends the signal directly into an amplifier, which then produces sound. And when you dig into it really hard, basically with the amp turned up um, and, and, uh, and, and playing really hard with the strings, you get what goes from a... 
a clear sound like that to a biting sound like this. Um, and that's, you know, without me changing any settings on the guitar at all, it's just wow. the sort of the, uh, all the circuitry coming together. And essentially, you're feeding more signal in that the, the system is designed to handle. And that produces, um, I don't have the exact right word for it, but you hear it use gain or overdrive or distortion. Um, and it uh, allows Chuck Berry to, beyond just getting the biting, that biting sound, also to have those single note melodic runs. Something like that, yeah. uh, where each note can really sing again because of the electric guitar innovation there. And uh, stylistically, what, what's going on there is he's, he's taking a lot of cues again from uh, from country and from other, uh, but really a lot from jazz as well. That single note <laughs> melody uh, piece, he's taking those stylings and then uh, and then putting it on top of you know the, the simplistic and driving uh, rhythms of rock and roll. So uh, that's a brief history of the electric guitar and and and, and Chuck Berry. Uh, what, you know, Ryan, what do you think about that? What questions do you have? Well, I have, one, I have one other follow-up question of one other possible antecedent that comes to mind, and I think it's one that, um, for me, crops up a lot on on this album, on Chuck, is is the blues. And I, I actually didn't hear it oh, in this oh, little certainly. Tour, Yeah, right? yeah, and I, I, I skipped upon that, and I'm glad you brought that up, because the uh, the underpinnings of all this is 12 bars blues format, but you, that would be something more sort of swung, like uh, if you go yeah. a few, Ryan, rewind a few years prior to the rock and roll period, you'll have the, you know, the practitioners of the Delta Blues like Muddy Waters or B.B. King who are doing something more like um, uh, that has the instead of the one and two and three and four and are doing more of a dun- yeah. a swung whipple, the triple, the chunk, 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 chunk. But uh, harmonically, they're doing the same thing, which is the 12 bar blues format. Um it's hard to describe in, without musical theory terms, but like like porn, it's if you know it when you see it or when you hear it. Um, yeah. It provides a chord structure, which you've heard a million times before. And again, it originates in the sort of Delta Blues types of things, but then takes on a whole life of its own uh, in the rock and roll genre. It's, it's, it's practically like uh, Joseph Campbell's uh, Here with a Thousand Faces. Huh. Uh, it, except, uh, except you know, for for rock song. Yeah, it's uh, the mono song, right? <laughs> it's the mono song in, in in a lot of ways, and 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 Chuck Berry uses this template over and over and over and over again throughout his career, and this last album of his is no exception at all. Yeah, I mean, what did you I, I, like? Um, what did you make of the album and the kind of appearances of the mono song on on the album? <laughs> it, 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 okay, so my my feeling overall on the album was like, this is fine. <laughs> is that sacrilege heresy for, yeah. You know, the, yeah for the you, swan you, song you, of a you, legend you, of the yeah Chester your Mary? guitar just self-destructed <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's my guitar rebelling against such a notion um it, it's 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 fine it, it's certainly it's pleasant to listen to it, it it takes all of the forms and templates and it executes on it reasonably well chuck berry's voice is held together remarkably over 90 years uh it's all stuff that we've heard before so if we were just if this were um you know not chuck berry if this forget even if it were chuck berry the third if this were just you know mark lee uh recording this in his bedroom putting it on the internet everybody would just shrug be like okay this sounds like chuck berry but then when it's chuck berry and he's 90 and he's no longer with us then it becomes this interesting um uh sort of last way of him to, to to go out on a high note and say this is my career i produce this music my entire life i have no apologies i have zero fucks to give and this is my music um i mean so it's it's impossible to kind of uh, judge this album 
uh, entirely on its own merits. It really, really lives in, in its context, and the context is very important. I mean, it is interesting, though. I mean, like, but and it is. I mean, it's so interesting because. So, I I I agree, and I think some of the songs that pull pull it closer to um, Shrugland is especially the uh, Jamaican Moon, right? The Patois song, and which is yeah, that's not very woke. No, no. I mean, again, um, I mean, how many woke grand great grandfathers do you know, right? Um, Like woke, uh, you know, not not as many. Um, But yeah, it it definitely. I recognize the irony of of you know the great pioneer of rock and calling the great pioneer of rock and roll. And an african-american icon uh not woke but uh i mean it's like this awkward patois to hear and it's like uh, that sounds a bit like misa judge Jar binks <laughs> a little bit misa, yeah. misa chuck berry <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it, no it, it, it is and that's i guess our i guess uh uh us us sensitive little snowflakes can't <laughs> can't deal with rock and roll real rock and roll uh but no it is and there there are a few moments where it drags but i think that there is there is something that this isn't just a so even though he plays the mono song um that thematically and lyrically he is engaging of what does it mean for there for there to be a 90 year old rock and roller right that yeah. and uh and this is something that actually we we kind of talked a little bit about a few um episodes ago when we talked about the um the mountain goats goths album which is kind of in part a reflection on uh growing growing old as a goth right and that's you know that's like someone who is in their 20s in the um you know, in the eighties, you know, entering middle age. And this is, this is just kind of uncharted territory for a lot of recording music. Um, and kind of circling mm-hmm. back, like Leonard Cohen was in his, his eighties. Um, and, but it had kind of started his recording career, um, quite a bit later. I mean, just as a, as a thought experiment, um, and, and they're not, they're not even, uh, uh equivalent in terms of influence and, and genre influence. But if, if Justin Bieber were to record an, a, uh, an album, at the age 90 uh that would be in the year i believe if i'm doing my math correctly uh 2084 (laughs) will there even be a world for him to release an album into is my main question there to be honest i i think i i can say in in 2084 and justin bieber 84 the great justin the bieber apocalypse um, like even if there is a burned out shell of Earth, uh, a Justin Bieber, a long awaited Justin Bieber album will be will be released. But right, I mean, it's just it's even now, right? Uh, it's it's impossible to imagine that or anyone who is a a massively popular uh, artist right now. Um, the you know uh, right Taylor Swift's. Uh, so what she would be ninety uh, in also like in the twenty seventies, right? Can you imagine? Uh, Taylor Swift's 1989 version 2 Oh, I got it, I got it, I got it I don't know about you, but I'm turning 92. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, but it's, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm doing these thought experiments for these pop artists of, you know, I guess it's like, 
you know, give give Chuck Berry a break. <laughs> um, but because beyond that, right, that that he that's what is, I said. That's like the the, the break is is allowing us to judge this album in context, not completely in in and of itself. But but even in and of itself, um, I think that what is really interesting are a lot of these songs are about things that Chuck Berry couldn't have written about. Um, as a as as a younger man, um, you know, uh, one of the one of which is about kind of being married for almost his entire life to one woman, um, and another is about really feeling this weight of of history and career and legacy, um, and and that's there, and it's 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 almost I think. I think it's easy to miss, um, uh, in part because of the various the the mono song at various tempos, right? That that both the um, the kind of sped up rockers um, like Big Boys um, and also Lady Be Good, right? The um, depending on how you count uh, the um, the the fourth, I think, installment in the Johnny Be Good uh, extended universe, right? the, the, <laughs> the Johnny Be Goodiverse, um, and. Uh, and 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 also the more slowed down um, blues numbers of which there are um, quite uh, quite a few, but but that I think that there is something that is that that the songs do earn being repeated because it's you know even though the um, the the chords are the same the man playing them is not right uh, and yeah. yeah yeah that's certainly true yeah these uh, I'm gonna steal your line Ryan which is these fucking teenagers have become these fucking nonagenarians yeah exactly um, and 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 what's interesting though is that he's still at least notionally interested in fucking right um, yeah. like he's uh, he's popping the blue pill and gra- well, grabbing the red guitar right let's put it this way like uh, it goes back to his defining spirit his the energy this exuberance that he uh yeah. portrays on the enchilada for uh enchilada song um and it's also worth noting that chuck berry was in i think in his 30s in the late 50s in his original heyday right. he was not uh, a spring chicken at the mm. time and yet mm. he was still able to uh tap into that feeling of youth and speak to the teenagers the fucking teenagers of that day um and and you know launched the rock and roll revolution even at the the relatively old age of 30 at the time and he's kept that going through his entire career to his credit yeah absolutely i mean that is interesting i mean again this is like you know thinking about this i mean and and it's it's kind of hard to to parse um i mean that it's what what makes and, and obviously it's hard to put ourselves you know, you know because f- for our entire um lifetime this music has been oldies <laughs> right yes uh, basically right. like you know uh, when we first saw back to the future it was an oldie but a goodie right, right exactly um and 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 right back to the future itself is an oldie but a goodie right <laughs> uh it's oldies upon oldies and so it's it's hard to imagine this as as teen music right in some ways and i guess for me the vector of punk is my bridge to understanding this as as kind of youth music um but i don't know and it may be impossible for us to have kind of you know us 35 year olds in 2017 to kind of understand what that guitar sounded like um in the 50s right I, um, uh, I, I, if i had to just try to make some sort of analogy 
I think it might be the first time you ever heard dirt dubstep and hear the bass drop. And then it's like, you know, it just salts your eardrums and it activates your senses and gives this heightened sense of awareness that you just hadn't quite felt before. No, uh, maybe that was just me the first time I heard the bass. No, no, it's and that's really interesting. Is that rock and roll is world expanding, right? It's one of these things yes. in, that that you that that things exist um, that you didn't know could exist before, right? And that there yeah. is a actual there's a there's a generative act um, from just a it's it's positive sum, right? That you you've seen these things before. You've seen people playing guitars. Uh, you've seen people playing electric guitars, and yet somehow the whole is greater than the sum of its parts um yeah and, and, yeah. and that ties back to the sex stuff as well but also i want to also address the um the the album art for this the, the photograph of chuck berry uh with the guitar slung really low and positioned right in between his legs um <laughs> that is no accident and that has of course been uh, a trademark of his entire career right and it speaks to everything we'll be talking about the the augmented power the expanding power of rock and roll um the the allure of the electric guitar um you know wh- why i like to play it is because you know it, it, it makes me feel like a big boy to borrow one of the titles of this uh of the songs in this album it, it augments it's it's this you know big hunk of wood you got it's this long uh with this long neck here, it makes you it makes you feel much larger than yourself. I'm not even joking here. This is this is really how I feel. No, and I mean it, it connects. And I, I know we talked about this. Um, I, actually, I don't think we uh, revisited this, but it connects me uh, us to another kind of um, recently departed uh, legend, um, Prince Prince, right? And his the famous Devil Schlong from his precisely. Yeah, that is his, the his, example. Of yeah, it. I don't know if that's quite the right word, but at least for the 21st century, the prime example of it in the 21st. Well, century. I think. I think that, that in some ways, right, that like, um, like Prince's uh, uh, Super Bowl projection devil schlong is like the shadow on uh, on Plato's cave, and Chuck Berry is the thing casting that shadow, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, yeah. And, uh, uh, and, and well so put. it's, it's Plato's Plata- cave of like uh, of phallic guitars, um, and <laughs> and that's and that's and that's where we are. Um, I think speaking of of things that are platonic ideals. I mean, let's d- dive into the Johnny B. Good uh, Iverse a little bit. Um, and, uh, and because I think that, you know, uh, as, as overthinkers, as pop culture aficionados, uh, you know, it is, it is an era of the cinematic universe, right? Uh, and the extended <laughs> universe. And if, if things like the Universal Monster movies uh, can, uh, can get their own uh, universe, right? The dark universe, uh, then uh, why can't can't Johnny? Like, why can't there be a Johnny B. Good universe? So, I mean, is is Johnny B. Good part of an extended narrative universe, or is it a uh, um, a cynical cash-in of the same idea, or is it both? <laughs> it can be a little bit of both. Let's be honest here. Um, uh, we we should come back to the notions of death, uh, perhaps appropriately at the end uh, yeah. as we wrap this as we wrap this up, because perhaps the most interesting part uh, of this album. But to talk about the Johnny B. Good universe, because you know, like uh, Chuck Berry. His catalog is vast, but everything always all roads lead back to Johnny B. Good because it's just mm-hmm. such a massive hit. By the way, um, in case you forgot, like they shot this, they shot Johnny yeah. B. Good into space, yeah. literally. Right? It's yeah. one of the things that was on that gold record they yeah. played in Voyager, it's which crazy. is hurtling out into the cosmos. And as 
as we uh, as we speak now, an alien on SETI Alpha Six is dropping the needle on this, and uh, and his mind is being fucking blown. Okay, so Ep, I'll I'll start with uh, with with episode one. Johnny, be good. It tells the story which we're all familiar with. Essentially, like a country boy uh, in, in New Orleans um, who who plays guitar really well, and it's all aspirational. It's all in the future, right? It ends with, his mother told him, someday you will be a man. You'll be the leader of a big old band. Many people come from miles around to hear, uh, play your music when the sun goes down. Maybe someday your name will be in light saying Johnny Be Good tonight. That's how the song ends. Uh, mm. And then uh, huh. the, the, the saga continues. <laughs> <laughs> With episode two, Bye Bye Johnny. Uh, I don't have all this uh, precise chronology just lined up, but I believe Bye Bye Johnny came out uh, just a few years after this. And uh, this adds some additional detail this for the, the, the time when Johnny B. Good actually leaves town, right? Uh, the mom like withdraws the money and puts the boy on the bus, sends him away, and reminisces as well about... Um, about buying his first guitar. Uh, this is a great line. He, uh, she remembered taking money out from gathering crop and buying Johnny's guitar at a broker shop. So it really speaks to that rural Southern yeah. um, agricultural heritage from which uh, a lot of African-American musicians come from. And this kind of, frankly, this direct uh, connection from the Southern slave plantations to the urban North uh, and, and, the, and the electrified blues and rock and roll from there um and then it finally ends essentially with uh uh with johnny be good getting on the train leaving and uh and waving away so he still hasn't achieved stardom yet at this point which is really mean, interesting. yeah it's a real like the johnny be good saga is actually a surprising slow burn right <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and, and, I mean, and then it's also that i mean so it, it strikes me that like um bye bye johnny um episode two is actually the story of mama be good right <laughs> It is yes, um, and so uh, let's let's go. We'll come back to uh, Lady Be Good episode five in a, or four. I'm telling her counting uh, in a second. But episode three is a weird little entry. It's called Go Go Go, and it seems to be very uh, self-referential. I guess it's arguably in the Goodiverse uh, or, or not because it's, it's, it's not it's not canon, right? <laughs> perhaps not. No. Uh, it's, it's like it's, it's like the Star Wars Christmas. That's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You took the words out of my mouth. Yep. <laughs> Uh, it talks about uh, it's really unclear what it's talking about actually i mean it, it seems to it speaks it references essentially a a guitar hero who may or may not be i guess it's johnny right um but he plays it name checks a lot of his own songs sweet 16 johnny be good maybelline uh among others um but it doesn't really necessarily advance the narrative of that that transition from the rural to the urban from anonymy into stardom um uh, that uh, we saw in part episodes one and two. Um, now episode four, uh, I, I would call it episode four is Johnny B blues. Um, it's purely an instrumental track, but it, the, by virtue of the title, Johnny B blues, it seems it is uh, obviously keying off the Johnny B good verse. Um, and that mm-hmm. probably brings us to episode five, lady be good ryan do you want to uh, give a synopsis for what's going on in this installment i do well but i actually want to give you i think there i, I there's an actual well actually here because uh, right before recording it we discovered one other installment so i actually think episode five is actually and i am not making this up and i know you are going to think i'm making this up but google this or look at this in the show notes uh but episode five actually i believe is 1969's concerto in be good oh um, yes yes oh whoa. <laughs> what's your is also, forgive me for omitting that. Which is a a nineteen minute long 
long instrumental. Uh, and I believe, uh, according to Wikipedia, it says, this is Chuck Berry embracing the emerging preference in the rock genre for extended numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so again, I mean, and so, and so then, uh, especially then viewed in that, right. Of, um, I mean, I think there is a kind of meta narrative here. I, I want to make the claim before kind of returning to lady be good that in some ways that what the Johnny be good averse is, is a, is a postmodern novel, right. That this is, this is <laughs> this, right. That, that like, because it kind of moves into a different genre and becomes um, self-referential and you lose the plot, right. It's, it's going in a kind of DeLillo Pinchon <laughs> direction, right. Um, and it is a, a, this, this actually kind of epic postmodern novel. Um, I, I was going to say Faulkner. Or Faulkner, right. As I lay rocking. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. That's or, exactly or what it is. This case dying, sadly enough. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Too soon. I am a fish. Um, I am a fish, which is a the entirety of a chapter um, in in As I Lay Dying, if I remember correctly. That you are correct. Yes. Um, and so in, in the final installment, Lady so, Lady Be Good. Well, and I think what's interesting is that. And this is because, like, so the overall arc, right, is that it spirals out, right? In some ways, we never actually get to see Johnny B. Good be um, a star. I guess that it's like weirdly, Johnny B. Good being a star is the success of Johnny B. Good itself, <laughs> and and that story doesn't need to be told. So that as the songs progress, they kind of sp- like the, the, it's this weird thing where it slows down, right? That that this moment of stardom slows down, and then it kind of eats its own tail and then just spirals into into the ether um with like longer and longer instrumental tracks inspired by the motif of Johnny B Good um but then um what happens with Lady B Good is that it refocuses right and it goes right back right back down in uh, Louisiana right and so um right the first to go back to what you quoted in Johnny B Good was deep down in Louisiana close to New Orleans um and so um Lady B Good refocuses that right um and, and actually is kind of a, a, the strongest reprise of the musical motif of um, Johnny B. Good since the original, right? So it was down in Louisiana, right there in New Orleans. Back there in the 60s was a little teen queen. Uh, fell then the lassie in love with a lad till it took him to vindicate, take the feelings she had. She pleaded as she promised every prayer she could till everybody whispered to her, lady be good. Um, and I think that this is interesting, right? This is the, the untold story right of um and and you know johnny b good was always um viewed as being semi-autobiographical and was about um and and is you know is about you know almost this moment of inspiration to play the guitar and to become a rock and roll star um mm-hmm. and it's and 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 right it's that it, it's is this interesting idea of it's the self-fulfilling rock, rock and roll prophecy right um and it's about a, a guy kind of having this inspiration and the inspiration of the guitar and of 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 music um and i think what lady B good does it says that and it's not even just a you know it's there there is a little bit of a you know behind every good man kind of um story but i think it's like it's a little bit of also just i mean it is this really actual just ode about um like kind of about connection and longing and regret i mean there's a lot in this song um yeah 
There's yeah. another interesting dimension in the song as well, and I'd be curious to get your reaction to this, is that it's not just about him becoming a famous musician and mm-hmm. playing in concert halls and all that kind of stuff. It's also about him becoming a movie and TV star, apparently. Yeah. And this is actually re- referenced back in episode uh, two by Bye Johnny. Uh, he says he's going to go off to Hollywood to yeah. make motion pictures, not to go, you know, like to uh, to play music, but to make motion pictures. So he's become this like a uh, multimedia star of sorts. Yeah. Um, it, maybe that's an aspirational piece there, because as far as I know, Chuck Berry never had a movie or TV career beyond beyond his uh uh, be, beyond his music, it might be a reference to Elvis, who of course did. Well, uh, well, but- well, actually, um, and I, actually, I'm not super familiar with these, but I believe he was in a couple of these early rock and roll movies, and so I don't think he ever became like a super movie star, and it, it never went, you know, multi, um, multi platform in that way. But I think he did um, appear in a few of these rock and roll films um of the of the 50s and i don't know them super well um but uh and so so you you are right but i mean it indicates that he actually that he actually had these aspirations um and it's it's really interesting just kind of we'll circle i'll circle back to lady good in a second but you I mean, seeing Chuck Berry wrestling with his his legacy is very interesting because on one of the later tracks on the album, it's the uh, the Dutchman, right? The kind of blues track with the the spoken word word growl, um, yeah. and the character there also kind of. It, that becomes to me very self-referential also and kind of talks about and i believe this is one where the lyrics are not online so um i'm going from memory but he kind of says like he actually on the way it says like i wrote he basically references johnny be good again right it's like i wrote a song about a guy and a guitar um but then he's like i, I guess this is like alternate universe this is like um chuck berry in the darkest timeline because he's like uh it didn't it was like it didn't set the world on fire. It like didn't break any records, right? It's like it's like it did not change anything, but it like bought us some rice and beans. Um, and it's it's mm. like it's like the, the the Chuck Berry has this kind of all or nothing kind of belief, right? Either you are like the total star, um, or you are a kind of has been, right? Um, and and I, or but it's not even that because then um, I think that what is in in Lady Be Good. Um, is this this sense of loss, right? So the rest of the story is following, you know, the the Johnny B. Goods girl, and and presumably the stand-in for for Chuck Berry's wife, um, of kind of being at home with the baby while he is becoming a star, right? And and there's a sense of it's the it's it's kind of the 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 prodigal chuck berry right um uh, a little bit right of kind of going going away and then a sense of kind of you know really and and especially in the end right um that uh she went to see the movie when it hit the screen babysitting johnny jr down in new orleans he saw his daddy sing the song he heard in school the one his mother told him about the golden rule tears filled her eyes when they when they misunderstood when everybody knew that she was lady be good um and i don't know yeah the meaning of that is confusing right tears filled her eyes when, when they misunderstood yeah but then there's, there's so there's a separate they who misunderstood. But then everybody knew that she was Lady Be Good. Who, what's the what's the salient cleavage here? What's the difference? Yeah. Who's misunderstanding versus who knows? Uh, yeah, the, I I I'm trying to. I'm wondering is that a is that a misquote? Is it misunderstood or is it understood? Um, 
I'm 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 trying to. Um... I, I remember. I'll be honest. When I remember, I remember like listening. I've listened to the song a few times in preparation for this, and uh, uh, in very few occasions did uh, I think, ah, yes, like you know, the entire meaning of this song really snaps together in place for me. Uh, likewise, you know, when we constructed this uh, Johnny B. Gooder verse here, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily hold together super tightly, as, as you know, Ryan mentioned. It's a it's a sprawling postmodern novel that's just genres and and meaning. It doesn't have a coherent narrative. Um, uh, that's not to say that you know to, to necessarily fault it, right? It just is what it is. I mean, I I wonder. I mean, is it that that the they is 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 everybody. Um, and so that, I mean, I'm wondering, it's that, is it that she is more than lady be good? Um, and that, that, and, and like, you know, she is, is, I feel like that's part of it, right? That there is the, it's the, um, uh, uh, it's, it's the kind of unbearable weight of being lady be good. Um, uh, in that, (laughs) Like, uh, because one way to say this is tears filled her, uh, filled her eyes when they misunderstood, when everybody knew that she was Lady Be Good. Um, and that's like the, this, this sense of loss of being just the Mrs. Chuck Berry, or kind of just, just defined by, by him, um, and, um, and, and, and by his absence, right? I mean, there, this is what I'm saying that there's this sense of like, like even in the kind of devotion there's a sense of like <laughs> i mean th- there's something very kind of complicated here about saying like i both made you proud and worked for you and also feel like i let you down right um mm-hmm. and and that's i i see that there of this like sense of being inextricably tied together and yet having this sense of of, of disappointment and again i i think that, that this, i was talking about this earlier about this sense of both superstardom and fame and genre defining this and a sense of kind of loss or vanishing that there is this, there is a lot of um, ambivalence on this album and, 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 and kind of holding both <laughs> two opposing ideas at, at the same time. Um, and I guess that that is, I mean, that's, that's a sign of kind of maturity and understanding this kind of complexity of, you know, confronting 90 years of lifetime and yeah. you know, so 60 years of career. I guess let's move on from the, the Johnny B. Gooderverse. Uh, I know it's hard, right? You know, that's we never shall. As you said, all roads lead back. It's a black they, hole. They, they, they definitely do. Uh, oh, oh, I can't help myself. I can't help myself. I might do that again a few more times before this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been, been a while since we'd heard that riff, so I was like, you got to hear it again. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the other songs that really get to this idea of uh, loss and, uh, and finality and, and death? Um, I mean, I think the the last one does, and unfortunately, a lot. Of, I feel like, unfortunately, a lot of those are not transcribed well. On on like, the genius is a genius. Only the like the light dance numbers, um, and so it's 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 going to be a little harder to to go um, word for word in them. Um, but I I do think the Dutchman um, that I was referencing before has that, um, and I believe the Eyes of Man, um, the last track um has that uh, as well when it kind of talks about um like building building a legacy right and it's it's this kind of also another kind of slower blues number um about the legacy that that man oh right right, and right. And now, now i'm remembering this yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, For a while there, I thought he was quoting from uh, the Ozymandias poem. <laughs> it's, it's similar, right? It's definitely. Uh, I mean, look it's, upon it's, my works, ye mighty in despair. Yeah, yeah. Look upon look upon my riffs, ye mighty in despair. Right? It's rock. <laughs> I mean, it's rock Ozymandias. Uh, uh, and I guess right that this is one rock that will not erode. Um, is is Chuck Berry's uh, is Chuck Berry's rock? I mean, I don't know, did you did you pick up any of these themes or any of this kind of? Um, you know, wistfulness uh, amidst the the kind of nostalgia. It's certainly, it, it was there, and it's impossible not to read into it as well, given uh, the, what we know of what happened to Chuck Berry and how this comes in at the end. Um, but I think the overriding sentiment still is one of joy and exuberance, and right that just kind of keeps it keeps coming up over and over again. As I mentioned before, like he's out of fucks to give. You know, this is he built his entire career. He became a legend on this, and uh, he went out doing what he loved. Um, and might there be some regret? Might there be some wistfulness? Might there be some uh, retrospection along the way? Sure. Uh, but uh, again, like you know, we look at the cover. We got this uh, the power that power stance with the electric guitar protruding from him between the legs, and uh, that's kind of hard to overshadow. I mean, it is interesting, right? And maybe a good place to end really is actually not on the 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 the, the kind of darkness or, or contemplation of mortality, but is actually on um, on the kind of lead single um, Big Boys, right? And I think it's really interesting um, that of what Big Boys is not, right? Like, it's that you know, um, that the vision of growing up is not becoming a man, but it's just becoming a bigger boy. Right. Um, yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, that kind of going back to this, the image and kind of like the kind of phallic nature of the, of the guitar, especially this song as it's recorded. I mean, this is absolutely a, a, uh, a dick measuring contest, right? Cause like this song, I mean, and, uh, and, and, and especially, I think was really, I find so, uh, interesting of all the kind of guest appearances on this album, the one that kind of grabbed me the most was Tom Morello of yeah. uh, of Rage yeah, Against yeah, yeah, the yeah. Machine, right? It's uh, he's uh, he's rock, rocking in the name of right, um, and uh, and it's it's it, I mean again, this is like kind of a testament to. Um, Barry's influence. Because on the one hand, I was like, "What?" And then it's like, "Well, no, that makes sense." Because it's you start to draw the line, and in Rage, right? I mean, especially for songs like "Killing in the Name of" and some of the earliest Rage songs, you can draw a album a line pretty easily back to like I mean especially kind of Jimmy Page and um Led Zeppelin and then it's not too hard to get uh to right it's there it's it's there's there are fewer than 6 degrees of Chuck Berry right uh, yeah yeah in, yeah, in yeah. this roll, is right? exactly what I was saying earlier with uh, the legacy of, of rock guitar that Chuck Berry started um and uh, I, I agree. Like first, I was like, Tom Morello, what on earth is he doing here? Because uh, in the context of Rage Against the Machine, his his guitar playing, you know, has this uh, you know political rage aspect to it, uh, which uh, is very difficult to extract from uh, from the Zach De La Roca vocals. Yeah. yeah, but when you transplant them into here, well, you just you hear it for what it is, which is energetic blues music which well what is energetic blues music if not uh, rock and roll right um and so it's a ama- it's it's kind of a joy to hear you know I, I i do like really see that 
Um, and beyond what the lyrics say, like what the you know he says, right? I learned to party like the big boys do, and the way that these big boys party is through like du- dueling guitar solos, right? Right, um, right, right. The, the uh, three generation of, of Berries and Tom Morello, and and I think Nathaniel Rateliff is on this one as well, right? So yeah, it, is, it's yeah. a it's a rock and roll sausage party, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it is. I mean, again, it, there there are these, and and, and we, we don't have time to kind of parse all of the the kind of gender politics but i mean it, it, there definitely are uh you know the, the, i mean it, it, one way that this is very interesting and it's not deliberately political so but there is it's just like the fixation on boys and girls right i mean that's like it's like it could be like a it's a hold steady album right like you know these boys and girls in america have such a rock and roll time together right like um and yet right the the boys in chuck berry the boys and girls of chuck berry's times were grandparents by the time you know craig finn came along right um and and so but it is um yeah, it is it's the it's it's Chuck Berry has passed away, but like his rock and roll is eternal, right? Um yeah. and 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 so it's it and it is this kind of um there there is this sense that we joked about kind of fountains of youth uh, and we've joked about kind of these natures of kind of you know, these natures of divinity of, of you know um of, of of the of the holy ghost but there is something there about this this sense of kind of perpetual youth and and vitality right and, and i think again i think that is the 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 striking thing for as much as there are kind of reflections of an older wiser man here um what does come across is the vitality um and it's and and it's not uh, the vitality of these specific performances that were you know performed uh, regardless when they were recording composed by a very old man but it's the, the kind of the vitality of the of the art itself and of mm-hmm. of the moment of creation and, and that and, and and again you hear it as soon as you um hit play and i think that that is what is kind of you know both compelling and and oddly kind of challenging and confounding about this record right i mean and and you know we joke about the you know the sprawling postmodern epic of the johnny b goodiverse but there is something there that as kind of easy and palatable and and you know something i could you know play with my parents uh and, and, and they'd recognize it there is there is something about the whole project that is that is audacious um is as audacious as it is a kind of easy victory lap and i think that those contradictions um make it really really fascinating (laughs) Mm, mm. yeah i i just well chuck berry had an amazingly long career right chuck berry is vast he contains multitudes yeah 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 absolutely (laughs) i think i hope i hope uh, we uncovered a few uh just a few of the multitudes in this hour we spent together on Chuck Berry and this album. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know, and and I'm sure we we will keep coming back as long we have not the guitar is not yet obsolete, um, but and so we are we are uh, raging against the dying of the guitar uh, of the guitar light. <laughs> um, and, and holding true. So thank you for being, as always, our TFT correspondent and for bringing along your uh, your six stringed teaching tool. My pleasure. <laughs> Uh, and we will we will be back next week uh, with another new album, and you know we are reluctant uh, to call our shots, but there is a new Lord album dropping this Friday, so um, 
I mean, I, I was going to say unless it's terrible, we're covering it. But if it's terrible, then we'll especially. Uh, it, it's it's just it's like it's like when there's a Boston sports team in a national championship for their sports. Like you know, there's going to be rioting, but you just don't know whether it's going to be happy rioting or sad rioting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so when there's a Lord album, uh, you can know in TFT there's going to be trolling, but you don't know if there's ha- it's happy ebullient trolling or sad depressed trolling. Um, but just know that we'll be back. Uh, with Lord and all kinds of additional indie and pop music next week. Um, until then, you can catch us um, uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, on the show notes at overthinkingit.com, uh, and wherever you find us. And whether you are riffing uh, or bluesing, uh, just know that we and you and Chuck Berry, uh, rest in peace, will be keeping it real.